to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly One-Stop Shop for all things Husker Sports. Thanks so much for joining us on episode number 49 this week as we continue to dive into name, image, and likeness at the University of Nebraska, as well as around the country with different NCAA athletes. We will talk about some Husker athletes and what they have done to promote themselves and take advantage of NIL, and we will also answer the question, if you were an NCAA athlete, how would you go about making money for yourself in this new era of collegiate athletics? We will also touch on Memorial Stadium being officially 100% capacity for the fall as that announcement came Wednesday. We will also touch on Nebraska Falls' non-conference schedule that came out as well. And we will look at the newest addition to Fred Hoiberg's roster. And then at the end of the episode, we will briefly touch on the NBA Finals as Game 2 is later on tonight. The Suns have a 1-0 lead in that series. But before we get into anything you should know who you're listening to. My name is Connor Clark alongside Grant Hansen. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hansen 15 underscore Hansen. You can find our podcast on Twitter at Husker Weekly and you can find our podcast on Spotify. Just search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar. And today we have a very special guest joining us. She's been on the show before. She is the deputy ed- editor of Hail Varsity and co-host of the Mind Your Own podcast, Aaron Sorensen joins us today. Thanks so much for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. So we will jump right in with name, image, and likeness. It's been sweeping the nation by storm, obviously, with collegiate athletes. Um, just a couple of Nebraska-specific things. A lot of Husker athletes with runs of deals. That's been a huge thing um, here early in July. Lexi Sun has her own clothing line. Adrian Martinez has just partnered with Degree Deodorant, the McGowan's brothers of the basketball team. Started a podcast with Husker Online, sponsored by a couple of restaurants in the Lincoln area. Um, and then a little bit outside of Nebraska, Spencer Rattler just partnered with Raisin Kane, so that's a big deal as well, as he's a Heisman Trophy finalist here in the preseason. So uh, just a quick question to start it off with you, Aaron. What does this name, image, and likeness thing mean for Nebraska, in your opinion? How is it going to help with recruiting? And what does this mean going forward for all Husker athletes? Yeah, I mean, name, image, and likeness is a reason that Nebraska has really been all over it in the last uh, year and a half, two years, uh, getting themselves ready for this this new era of college football. And I shouldn't just say college football, college athletics of, of any sport. This, the benefit that Nebraska has is that it's not really competing against any other major state schools. You do have Creighton up the road. You do have UNO. You know, you'll see you'll see deals come from even students at Shadron or UNK. It's not like those schools can be forgotten as well. But when you think of Nebraska itself and not necessarily having an Iowa, Iowa State situation or an Auburn, um, Alabama, uh, you think of like everybody in the southern states who are not only competing in state against one, one another, but in some cases very close down the road, just over state lines. So Nebraska is in a unique situation here where it can really utilize NIL to show recruits that not only can you come to Nebraska and be elite in the sport that you want to play, but you can also make some money for doing so. And I would say the last week has been a really, really good example of that. Honestly, the two kind of, you mentioned them, but two of the bigger ones that I think people will probably hyper-focus in on and much deserve so is Lexi Sun didn't just start, like I did, I, I want to say for anyone who's like what has Lexi Sun done she didn't just start a clothing line she's building a brand she has trademarked her logo she has filed for an LLC uh Lexi Sun LLC out of California Lexi is building a business uh and that's going to be something where if I'm Nebraska in any sport I'm pointing to her and going look at what she's doing and then you have Adrian Martinez who like you said signed the deal with degree the reason that is a big that's a particularly big deal is he is one of only I think 14 athletes and then they're going to pick one more from anyone who like submits why they should be selected but when you look at who's represented on that list you're, you're looking at Texas players Alabama and I'm talking across all sports not just um, football volleyball basketball I mean University of Wisconsin has an ice hockey player on this list, and uh, the University of Alabama has a wheelchair basketball player on this list. So, like, it's a very robust list of athletes, and one of them is Nebraska's own Adrian Martinez. So, Nebraska is well represented so far in this last week, but I would even say, like, if you are looking at who is doing it well, 
even just stopping and looking at what Ben Silly is doing, he is hosting a camp. He has already put some gear up on his website that people can purchase. You can um, have him sign autographs for you. These are these are athletes who are looking at the big picture of this and not just sort of the one and done. And that's where you're going to find success is when you can kind of build these bigger brands from yourself. That's not attainable for everyone. Not everyone has the same interest level in doing that. But I mean, long story short to answer your question, Nebraska is uniquely positioned in this last, well, the first week of NIL has really shown what Nebraska athletes are going to be capable of. Aaron, go back to Lexi a little bit. Talk a little bit about what she's, you know, some of the, how, how early has she been um, preparing herself for this? You know, you, you really did a good job of promoting her work uh, on Twitter. Um, so, so talk about the groundwork she's put down. I know you touched a little bit on the LLC and some other stuff, but what all sorts of things is she planning in the next uh, year here at Nebraska and then beyond? Yeah, Lexi, Lexi has clearly been planning this for months. And the thing is, is while they couldn't start profiting off of anything until July 1st, she didn't show up on July 1st and go, all right, what's, what's out here for me? She has been planning this and genius to do so. She did. She showed up ready. The thing is, is I, I took a piece of her tweet where she said, so excited to introduce you to the Sunny Crew. And I thought a little bit about that because I was like, She's not just introducing you to some sweatshirts and, you know, whatever else she unveils. She's introducing, she's creating a fan, like a fan, like a group of fans for herself. Like now they all want to be a part of the Sunny Crew. How many times are you going to maybe see a young fan at a, a volleyball game who identifies themselves as a part of the Sunny Crew? She is building far more than that. And I, I can almost guarantee you see her step into lifestyle brands where she's stepping into um, more than just uh, clothing, more than just what you kind of see. She's already always been very, very active on her Instagram. She's really been aware of how to utilize that. I think we'll see her step into sort of that influencer role where maybe she'll get herself signed up for like to know it and you can swipe up and shop her outfits. I think where she is going to be successful and she is she is really looking at what has made other influencers successful and she's taking a note out of that book i mean when we talk about influencers i think sometimes people think of influencers as like oh yeah people who make money through swipe ups and this and this and this on instagram some of the most some of the biggest influencers are making millions of dollars a year and i'm saying that like modestly they are banking money because brands want to work with them so this is what i see for lexi she's clearly setting up her own brand because that is just smart to begin with create your own line of merchandise take advantage of the fact that people are going to want to show up to a nebraska volleyball game wearing your sweatshirt right now but i i'm going to say in the next few months you will see her promoting outfits on Instagram, um, certain business lines that make sense for her. She's going to be Lexi Sun's lifestyle. People are going to want to be friends with her. And this is, this is how she's going to profit off of that. So I'm excited to see what she does. If I'm Nebraska, I, she is the poster child. You are putting her everywhere. This is what is possible for you. And the thing with Lexi is this there's one thing that people need to know. She's been building this brand since she was in high school. From the moment she went to the SBs as the Gatorade Player of the Year, she knew what was ahead for her. She did not know that name, image, and likeness was going to happen, but she knew what was possible. And so she started building that brand at 17, 18 years old, and it's going to pay off big time. So if you're, if you are, if you are aware of any recruit that needs to hear it, tell them this right now. Start building your brand today because that's what's going to ultimately pay off. It's not just showing up and going, okay, fans of X school, be friends, be my friends now. Like, no, you got to start building that brand. And Lexi, Lexi's done a great job, and I'm excited to see her put it to work. One more question here to follow up on uh, Nebraska volleyball, Aaron. You know, you you look at the program, right, and compared to, you know, the football program or maybe the basketball program, they're obviously in a much better position recruiting-wise. And so some people might think, hey, this nil thing, you know, it benefits the teams that are already kind of down for the count in recruiting or have not had as much success recently. But, you know, Husker volleyball, mm, 
I don't know. But even I would argue on the other side that it maybe benefits Husker volleyball more than any other sport because if you look at the program, you have a you know a sport where college volleyball in, in the state is way more popular and nationally is way more popular than professional volleyball. And you get to t- say to players, hey, look, you can come here and make a lot of money at Nebraska because you are not competing against anyone else and you can make more money here probably than you can professionally. Uh, and, and so how big of an advantage is that, especially against some of the traditional powers like Stanford um, and others who might not necessarily be able to offer that? Yeah, I mean, to be completely fair, John Cook has shown that he really doesn't need much help when it comes to recruiting. He just signed the number one class in the country and doesn't seem to be slowing down on that front, and whoever is eventually his successor will have big shoes to fill. But Nebraska volleyball has definitely set itself up no matter what. But with that said, and this is from a story I recorded on almost two years ago when I was starting to look at the power of Nebraska volleyball and its social following, John Cook talks a lot about a well-rounded athlete. He talks about it's not just it's not just their performance on their court. It's how they it's how they interact off the court. It's how they it, it's the sleep that they get. It's the food that they eat. It's the way that they um, show up to class and do their work and be dedicated everywhere. So when I think of what has always mattered to John Cook in this well-rounded athlete. This is just another component of that. He will utilize this to say, not only are you going to be a great volleyball player and a great student and a great teammate and a great this and this and this, but you could be a great business owner. You could be a great advocate for yourself. You could be a great, you could set yourself up for great financial success before you ever leave college. That is where I think Nebraska volleyball will continue to be even more powerful is they're already kicking butt when it comes to recruiting because they're an elite, elite program. But now they're going to be able to say, look at the extra benefits that you're getting from this. So, like I said, I think Nebraska volleyball was always going to benefit from just being Nebraska volleyball on the recruiting trail, and they certainly have excellent recruiters on that staff. But name, image, and likeness is certainly not going to hurt, and John Cook understands this value of a well-rounded athlete and allowing them all of these spaces to grow and I think if you are a young athlete looking for a college you might go hey this is even better than I already thought it was and that's not to say that your Texas's and your Stanford's and your Hawaii's aren't going to do the same but when Nebraska is competing it's just another feather in it's it's just another feather in the cap to tell people why you want to come to Nebraska. And earlier you mentioned the influencers on different social media platforms and you look at YouTubers and you look at TikTok stars and you mentioned they're making millions of dollars a year and there are some collegiate athletes before NIL got put into place, they already have millions and millions of followers on these different mm-hmm. platforms. So once they start rolling in the money from different brands, that's going to be like, <laughs> you're going to see 18, 19, 20 year olds possibly making millions of dollars. So uh, my question for you is like, how, how much is that going to change collegiate athletics? Cause you see, say uh, a freshman who was highly recruited in high school and already has a huge social media following then all of a sudden starts getting a payday in college. I mean, that's going to look so much different than it did before. Oh, for sure. And I want to also say even beyond YouTube and TikTok, when you think of like, it's, it's mostly women influencers, but there are, there are influencers that, I mean, I think of one particular influencer. She's like a fashion, beauty, lifestyle blogger. Her name is Courtney Kerr, and she was genius because she started using her last name to do, like, currently wearing, currently this, like, genius branding. She has been an influencer marketer for, like, in influencer marketing for probably nearly a decade now, and I mean, you look at how her lifestyle has changed, you can tell she's making some pretty good money. So even in that case, if somebody's like, no, YouTube's not really for me, TikTok's not for me, Instagram might be, there is money to be had in all of these spaces. And so to answer that question, couple of couple of things, we are going to have to kind of see how this changes some things because there are some question marks that I have. For instance, there are scholarships. There are grants that are completely dependent on what you are, 
making. They have restrictions about how much extra money can be coming in. Um, there's part of it, the financial element of what your family is making. If your family is claiming you on your taxes, if you suddenly now are contributing another X amount of dollars, you may lose that grant. So then you have to start doing the math of, is it worth me taking on these deals and potentially losing the scholarship or losing the grant or losing whatever else? Or am I making enough money where if I lose that thing, it's fine. I'm not only able to pay for it, but I'm actually, you know, making more money beyond that too. Now, if you're making millions of dollars, it doesn't matter. You know, I think it won't be as common that you'll see these multi-million dollar athletes in college. I think, yes, you're going to see your Trevor Lawrence. From the moment he walked in, from the moment he stepped foot on Clemson, everyone knew he was going to be a star. And so you would you'd probably figure by the time he graduated, he's making millions of dollars. In that case, he would have just been making millions of dollars a little bit sooner than he's already making millions of dollars. I don't know if I think it's going to be a sweeping thing where you see a lot of athletes. And we we have heard plenty of people who are like, it's going to change dynamics of locker rooms. I don't think it's going to have as much of an effect on that as maybe some people do. I think, you know, there's always been, you know, certain players get more attention no matter what. They get put on magazine covers. They get more of the um, – they get asked to be at press conferences. They get this – so there's always been a little bit of that no matter what. Now, money changes things. So I do think you might see some athletes who are like, hey, I'm making so much money. I don't need to do this anymore. Like, I don't need to be here. I'm just going to go right off into the sunset and take this money that I've made and call it a day. Or maybe they'll be bad teammates. But, like, these are always concerns that we've had before. Of like, what's stopping somebody from being like, you know what, I'm going to transfer out. I'm going to go do something else. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't like this. I'm not a good teammate. I, or I am a great teammate, but my other teammates are. There's always been things. So this is just a new one. I think we'll have these concerns. And then a year from now, it won't feel like such a daunting thing anymore. I think these athletes will figure it out pretty quickly among themselves. And again, I'm not... I'm not overly worried, but yeah, if you, could you imagine being Trevor Lawrence and by the time you're 1920 being a millionaire? I, I hope they get accountants. That's really all. That's really all I want is like if you're gonna if you're gonna make that kind of money when you're that young, please go get yourself a good uh, tax advisor, a really good accountant, and put some money away and save it because that is an amazing thing to be able to walk out of college no matter what professional thing is lying ahead for you. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll eat my words a year from now, but I, I think it won't be as big of a deal, and I think it won't be as sweeping to see that many athletes who make that kind of money. You know, Aaron, one of the things that uh, comes with athletes being out there with their um, social media programs and building their brands is fraud. And we saw last uh, couple nights ago, Damian Jackson uh, for the football team uh, releases his logo, which, by the way, looks really cool. Uh, it's hard to really describe. It's just like, a, I'm going to go with like a skeleton gecko. I mean, that's the best I can do. Uh, but he experienced very early on people in the replies putting fake links out there um, for selling fake merchandise that wasn't his. Uh, and some people, unfortunately, ended up buying some of those. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the first cases of basically fraud um, that we've seen here in the in the NIL era. How can athletes really protect themselves uh, against some of the stuff like that? Because we're just going to see more of that as time goes on. Oh, for sure. And the biggest thing is, is they're going to have to trademark their logos. For the record, um, Damian Jackson's, I think what makes his logo so great is the fact that it's not just like a play on his initials. I'm, I'm so tired of seeing them just like two initial call it an A thing. Like, no offense if that, if anyone listening is like, but that's what my logo is. Um, no, that potentially could be great. It's just, I feel like that's very much down the like Tiger Woods uh, logo, like pass where it's like everyone kind of wants that. Um, to be honest, athlete logos are pretty far, few and far between that people actually remember. I think if you said like to somebody, can you name and like tell me what one looks like? It's usually what Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, kind of Tom Brady. Um, there's like maybe a couple other or some people might be familiar with Serena Williams, but like overall, <laughs> um, overall they're, they're not like 
super identifiable. So, I mean, in this case, like, have a ton of fun with your logo. So good for him. I think the fact that he had fun in the fact, too, that it was designed by his teammate, Zach Winemaster, that's mm-hmm. genius, too. Zach Winemaster honestly could go make some money charging people to design their logo. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they, they need to go out and trademark themselves. They have to file their trademarks on their names on um, their logos, on things that people might go and try to sell. I mean, reality is, technically, a lot of players have been getting ripped off for their own image and likeness forever by their own universities. And what I mean by that is up until, I can't remember what year it was, but if you walked into the bookstore on Nebraska's campus, and this wasn't just Nebraska, I'm talking like any school, you walked into the bookstore, there'd usually be four or five jerseys available for purchase. And one of them would just conveniently be the number three, which, you know, oh, okay, I guess uh, it has nothing to do with Taylor Martinez wearing number three, but conveniently of all of the jerseys sitting here, one of them just happens to be three. And oh, one happens to also be 93, which just so happens to be in Dominican Sue's number, but no, it's not for him. Now I think it's like they can do like the school year and like the number like one or something, but this has happened already and it was happening by their own school. So like to a degree, people are going to go slap their numbers on back of shirts and go try to make a profit off of it because they're going to want to cash in on this. And there's only so much they can do. I think where they can be successful, again, go trademark, go protect themselves as much as possible, but also if you develop a really good line and you build that brand, people are going to want to buy from you. They're going to understand that, like, when I buy through you directly, I am getting, I am helping you, and there's a benefit to me because I'm buying from the person directly. I think anyone who focuses too much on, like, potentially the fraud is going to only get themselves caught in the weeds. Now, if you're somebody who's like, hey, I've never had a line and people are taking advantage of that, I get it. Like, that that would frustrate, frustrate me too. But just go do it better and reiterate why it's important people buy from you, from you directly. Now, people still won't. That's unfortunately just how it works. But, you know, I think these athletes are going to be in a really good spot because if a young kid wants a Damian Jackson shirt for Christmas or for – any holiday don't you think mom and dad are going to want to buy it from Damian Jackson and maybe he'll have the option to do autographs on his website like what Ben Silly is doing so I think they have the power they just have to kind of know how to use it and harness it and understand that you can't prevent all but you can you can at least set yourself up for success now we talk about all the big name athletes and we've mentioned Trevor Lawrence and what kind of living he would have made in college and uh, you see Ben Stilley and, and Lexi Sun and, and all these players making very, very big moves in, in the NIL industry now. And a question I have for you, Aaron, and it's kind of the, the athletes that fly under the radar, the, the walk-ons, or maybe the athletes that are further down on the depth chart that don't really have as much playing time or you don't see their face as much or their jersey as much on the field, how are they going to make money? And I know there's a couple of smaller deals that I'm pretty sure that Nebraska guarantees you for being an athlete for them. But at the same time, how is a, a third-string walk-on on Nebraska's football team going to take advantage of this? Meanwhile, Adrian Martinez is having his face plastered all over these billboards and all these sponsorships everywhere. That's a great question. So two, two pieces to this. I'm glad that you asked this. I'm going to give two specific examples because I, I love this question. So first and foremost, um, I'm gonna bring up offensive line. So if anyone noticed, Nebraska's offensive line made a joint Twitter account, it's like at PyCogs, which is just such a funny uh, like handle. But it's actually kind of genius that they did that, that they decided to band together, create a offensive line, not just the starting five, everyone, offensive line, Twitter account. The reason I say that's genius is just yesterday, it doesn't matter when you're listening to this, but recently, um, Mission Barbecue sponsored all 17 offensive linemen at Notre Dame. So Mission Barbecue, um, they're, again, just a barbecue company, but uh, all 17 offensive linemen on that roster were sponsored by this. I mean, it might not be a giant contract, but that doesn't matter who you are on that team. If you're an offensive lineman, you just got signed to a deal from a barbecue company that's like, 
hey, what would be a better idea than us, who is known for food, sponsoring people who like to eat? So, of course, all of the offensive linemen started tweeting at the official barbecue of the offensive line. Like, that is one thing is when players band together. And so when I saw Nebraska's offensive linemen do that, I was like, genius idea. That is how you start to get, like, an Omaha Steaks interested or insert random barbecue company here who's now like hey we'll sponsor the entire nebraska offensive line and they have their own twitter account the other one that i want to bring up is elliot brown he is the freshman wide receiver that everyone raked over the coals about a year ago because he had a dancing video on tiktok in his nebraska uniform people just ripped into him and i i kept saying y'all need to stop because he is going to make so much more money than any of us when all of this name image likeness stuff goes into place because he has 189,000 followers on TikTok. He is getting thousands of views on his TikToks, and if he is a part of the creator fund, he's going to be making some pretty serious money. And now people can sponsor him through that. He is, he walked on to Nebraska, like, I, I mean, this is somebody who I sit here and think about that's pretty significant. Like, here's somebody who everyone was kind of making fun of, and is it, like, number one on the depth chart? It's pretty far down on the depth chart. I mean, I'm, like, looking at his Nebraska roster, or the Nebraska roster, and it says for 2020, did not play in a game in his first season at Nebraska, and yet he's probably already making some good money because he probably turned on the creator fund and is taking advantage of it now. So for those athletes who might be going, hey, I'm not Adrian Martinez. I'm not... Cam Taylor Britt. I'm not, you know, even Cam Jurgen, who his logo is genius being beef jerky and is going to go pick up some beef jerky um, uh, sponsorship at some point. This is where you can be successful. Is there things like TikTok, um, building your brand? Maybe you're a musician, like the football player at Marshall, who just wanted to book some shows and make some money for doing so. Charge five bucks at the door. Maybe you have something that you're talented at that you can go and sell on Etsy. You can do that now. Um, you can start a YouTube channel. There are so many things that these athletes now have at their disposal that they never had before, where if you're somebody going, I'm third string, no one cares about me, you still have options. You still have things that you can do. It might be a little bit more difficult, but if you put the work in, I mean, again, look at Elliot Brown. He is going to completely outrun most of us just because of his TikTok channel. And all that takes is a little bit of work and putting yourself out there and not being afraid if somebody tries to, like, cancel you because they think, how dare this football player dance? I don't know. I I don't know if I'd be laughing if I'm, if I'm watching him make that much money. I'd be like, dang. I want to make that much money. <laughs> so I'm glad you asked. I think that there's a ton of pathways for these athletes, and it's going to be more unconventional, but they're there. It, the options are there as well. Lastly here, Aaron, kind of in the same vein as Connor's question, you know, at Nebraska – uh, there's some sports that are kind of smaller fan bases than, of course, the big dogs in volleyball and football. One that really sticks out to me is softball, uh, a program that, again, has a smaller fan base, but the fans are equally, if not more so, rabid about their softball team uh, than, than the football and volleyball team. So how can you know players like a Tristan Edwards, I know she's graduated, but next year, a Courtney Wallace, uh, or even more importantly, a Billy Andrews, you know, how, how can those players in in other smaller fan base sports in Nebraska kind of help to build not only the fan base for their sport at the university, um, but kind of tap into some of the uh, name, image, and likeness stuff too. Yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I am a, if I am a softball player, I'm reminding any business that the 2021 Women's College World Series averaged about 1.2 million viewers compared to the men's college world series which averaged about 755,000. so the eyeballs the attention the fandom is there for softball um anyone who ever says like women's sports are not getting the viewership especially on tv they absolutely are can you imagine what that viewership would be like if they were in a better spot on espn or espn2 they would be getting a ton more views so if i'm a softball player i'm reminding people that there's a ton of viewership and fandom here again i think with a lot of these softball players in any sport for that matter is there are some basic fundamental things that you can do set up a website um you know sign 
create some merchandise, sign merchandise, do autograph signings, create a cameo account. Um, I know Open Doors has a similar thing through their platform too, where people can request videos. So that's certainly an option, but I would also do cameo if you're able to get onto it. I know you have to also have, or like somebody has to refer you, but still, if you can uh, get yourself on cameo and get people to buy uh, your short clips telling somebody's child happy birthday or a family member i mean i think i think if i'm in a sport like softball i'm taking advantage of the national attention that softball has like there is a huge fandom for softball nationally so take advantage of it like don't focus yourself entirely on nebraska nebraska has a solid following and fan base as well but i would extend beyond that i'd be looking at you know who are some of the biggest brands surrounding uh, softball who might be interested in partnering with me who might I be able to go and create a line of cleats with if somebody might be interested in doing that like there are so many ways to take advantage of it on a national level and take advantage of that national attention so yeah any of those any of those young women on Nebraska's softball team go go create a website get your own line of merch get yourself signed up for cameo and just look for opportunities and don't limit yourself to Nebraska because we know softball is popular. So there's no reason. There's no reason that these women shouldn't have attention, like have the attention and people wanting to sign them to things. They just might be everywhere else. Like it might just take looking more broader nationally than just looking here. So opportunities are there, but yeah, I would say that to any athlete, what can I do? Website, merchandise, cameo. Get yourself signed up on the easy stuff that doesn't take a ton of time for you. It takes like the effort right in the beginning, but then you can kind of let it go. Check in when you need to, do the videos when you need to, and then take what else comes your way when it's offered. And you can be picky at that point if you need to be because you're already got other stuff going. So I think it's just being smart about kind of building yourself like a little mini business almost, just kind of creating a place, a hub, and building from there. All right, well, we'll move on from name, image, and likeness and from a conversation we could probably have for mm. days on end. But, uh, I know, I love it. Like, I could talk about it for hours. Like, <laughs> there, there are so many different levels to it, and it's it's going to be kind of a big maze for everybody to figure out this fall and into the winter and the, into, into the spring. So um, we'll leave it there for now, but we'll move on to our next topic. Nebraska officially announces... 100% capacity at Memorial Stadium this fall. Uh, obviously, a, a, an expected announcement, um, but uh, obviously a very good one. Uh, one that is exciting. A lot of Nebraska fans and a lot of diehard Nebraska fans. And uh, since Aaron and Grant on the show have a much more experience than me in Memorial Stadium with 90,000 other people, uh, I will let them take the lead on this subject because uh, I've yet to experience that kind of game. So, uh, Aaron Grant, whichever one of you guys want to go first, uh, what does this mean for, for the fall and what excites you most about this announcement? You know, I think I would say, I, you know, I don't know about Aaron. I, I was there at the spring game um, and it felt to me, it felt just like 90,000 people, which is probably just literally because I haven't been in there with 90,000 people in a year and a half or so. Um but considering the atmosphere of the spring game, I can't wait to see what everybody's going to be like. Um, that That's mostly where I'm at in, in just trying to bide my time and, and somehow find a way to wait until Fordham comes to town in September. Yeah, I I will say, like, being at the spring game and, like, looking out at people versus just cardboard cutouts is honestly a little overwhelming. Being able to actually go on the field, I felt like I was breaking some kind of rule. Um, I am excited for a full stadium. I would say I, I feel like a few people made a note that they felt like Nebraska sort of uh, didn't make as big of a deal about it as maybe uh, they thought that they would. It was a couple of tweets that just said 100% capacity, and that was about it. And then they quickly moved to the three-game package where fans could buy three games at a you know a discounted price. So they, they quickly moved on. I'm totally projecting, I think, a little bit of that decision to sort of not make as big of a deal about it is the fact that cases for COVID are currently on the rise. So I'm sure that they felt like we shouldn't probably make a giant statement and a big thing and, like, shoot off the fireworks about 90,000 people when there's a lot of question marks right now. And that's not to say that that's going to change, but that's sort of 
was my gut reaction to that was it felt like, hey, maybe let's not make a big PR mess and uh, announce this in this big, big way. So I did see a few people, fans and media, who kind of mentioned that it felt underwhelming how they announced it. I think there was a reason for that. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, life return as normal. I just want people to be safe as long as, you know, people are able. I, I, I have to say it, please get vaccinated if you have not yet. It's the easiest way to protect yourself. Um, I'm not here to preach. I just had to like throw that out there. I just want people to be safe and be able to enjoy the things that they love and not have, um, not have to fear anything. And I do think that there's a little bit of hesitancy of fans wanting to return because I get it. Like it's a lot to sort of rip that bandaid off and just suddenly now be like, Oh, there's all these people. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to have a college, a college game day back. I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about like, it was not cool. <laughs> it stunk not having, you know, the band and the cheerleaders and like the, all the like excitement that comes with college football and comes with game days. And that's, I guess, even with volleyball, when you think of like those games not having like all of the excitement around it. So fans bring something that is inexplainable at times to college football, to just college athletics in general. And I'm excited to have those fans back. Uh, it'll just be interesting to kind of see how this fall goes and how fans are feeling because I know that they're trying to put that three-game package out, but we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like we just got to get to the season. I'm kind of like, I'm always hesitant because I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, let's just let's get to Fordham. If we get to Fordham and there's a lot of fans in that stadium and people are safe and healthy and doing so, like, that's a win. That's, that's a pretty big win. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people react, especially when we come closer to the fall. Um, I'm interested to see if pro sporting events with 100% capacity now over the summer, and you look at the NBA Finals uh, and the Stanley Cup Finals and the MLB, they all have 100% capacity, or at least most of the MLB stadiums do. Uh, maybe all of them do now, but um, I don't know if that will have an effect on people's decision-making come the fall. Uh, make them feel a little bit more comfortable about being in such a crowd of people. Um, but there's still a ways to go. We're in July. Um, I mean, music festivals are coming back. There's the Garth Brooks concert happening in Lincoln as well, just mm -hmm. a few days before everybody comes back on campus. Um, so maybe moving forward, that'll help people feel a little bit more comfortable. But as Aaron said, the bottom line, uh, just keeping people safe is obviously the most important thing. And if you're keeping yourself safe, then the sooner we can get back to what we really want to do. And in the fall, everybody wants to do is, is go to Memorial Stadium and, and have a great time every single Saturday. So we'll leave that one there. Finally, we'll move on to Nebraska men's basketball with Aaron. The non-conference schedule came out just a couple of days ago. Just a quick rundown about uh, what the schedule looks like. So there are two exhibitions versus Peru State and then versus Colorado. That's that charity exhibition game on Halloween. Then you jump into the actual games um, a lot of home games at PBA to start off the year. So versus Western Illinois, uh, then they host Sam Houston State, hosting Creighton in the Gavit games, hosting Idaho State, hosting Southern, hosting Tennessee State, then they host South Dakota. First road game at NC State, the Big Ten ACC Challenge to kick off the month of December. Then they travel to Atlanta to take on Auburn in the Holiday Hoops Giving um, at the State Farm Arena, and then they host Kansas State and Kennesaw State to round out the non-conference schedule. A lot of excitement surrounding this basketball team heading into this winter. Uh, Aaron, your first reactions to this non-conference schedule. Will Nebraska succeed? Will they fail? Or will they be right down the middle? I think it's like a really good non-conference schedule. I think I saw quite a few people who are of the belief that there's eight wins. You know, eight definitely eight wins. I shouldn't. There's nothing definite. Nothing's definite in sports, but you know what I mean. Like around eight wins. Uh, but this team feels like a team that's going to get somebody. And so, uh, you know, maybe it becomes nine, ten wins out of this. I, I don't want to be too like I don't want to be too overly dramatic. But I mean, this is a really good non-conference schedule because they get Colorado early to kind of, you know, work some kinks out of the system, test themselves. You get Creighton fairly early. It feels really well balanced. It feels like by the time you get to the NC State, Auburn, Kansas State section, you've had some time, but you've also had some tests. So 
I think the sets up really well for Nebraska basketball, and especially with the, the talent that's returning, the players that they have brought into the team. I think if you're a Nebraska basketball fan and you're looking at this, you got to feel pretty good, I think, looking at this non-conference schedule, at least at first glance. Yeah, I think Aaron hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I, I My favorite, honestly, on this thing is the Colorado charity game on Halloween. I think that's going to be an excellent opportunity uh, for the program to build itself, for one. Uh, and then for two, we like charity, obviously. Um, so that's pretty good. Uh, and again, like you get a team that was an NCAA tournament team last year. Uh, and you're going to get a good challenge that, again, doesn't go on your record. Then you get a couple of warm-up games with Western Illinois and Sam Houston State. Hopefully you can win both of those. And then you take on Creighton. And again, I would rather see, I like seeing Creighton earlier than later because Creighton, although they brought in a great recruiting class, certainly this last year, they're going to be rebuilding a little bit. A lot of guys, regular faces for the last three to four years there uh, have moved on. And so they're, they're going to need to get their footing a little bit. So I'd rather see them here than in December uh, when you normally see them in that December 12th kind of range. Uh, and then the rest of the way, like I feel like NC State and Auburn are decent challenges. Auburn should make a really decent push at the tournament this year and so again the word that Aaron used in in balanced I think really really uh exemplifies the schedule that's out here for Nebraska yeah I agree I think this non-conference schedule is is very good for Nebraska um as both you guys mentioned it's kind of it's it's perfectly spaced out because you have the Colorado exhibition that one doesn't even count on your record and it's for a good cause and b a good opponent and c if you want to throw that in there an old rival as well so that's a good test right before your first game against western illinois uh then as grant said creighton third game of the year in the gavit games uh creighton kind of will be caught in a little bit of a rebound mode or a rebuild mode um and then you got a couple of games a, a handful of games really of four games that you probably should win um and then you go to nc state that'll be a good test uh, auburn will also be a good test in a neutral site game and then you have Kansas State, another Power 5 team that you probably should beat considering their most recent uh, outcomes on the basketball court. And then you finish up with Kennesaw State. So um, with Aaron's assessment, I agree. I think uh, eight, eight to ten wins is, is very possible on this on the schedule. Um, if you could steal a couple from those Power 5 games, maybe you, you beat Kansas State, maybe you beat Creighton, or maybe you go on the road and beat NC State, that would be a pretty big statement for this team. Uh, considering the past couple of years. And that would really give Fred Hoiberg a lift as the head coach of this team as well, keeping uh, a big core um, and adding, obviously, a lot of great new pieces in C.J. Wilcher. Uh, you have Bryce McGowan's, obviously, the five-star. Wilhelm Breidenbach, a four-star. Keon Edwards, a four-star transfer from DePaul. So uh, a lot of good pieces on this team. Uh, and it should be an exciting season. Nebraska men's basketball really hasn't been in the, sto- in the spotlight for for quite a while, but the, hopefully this season will will put them back in there and back in the conversation. Um, so, I mean, any closing closing thoughts on what you expect from this team, Aaron? Uh, just overall, uh, what are you expecting? Now, it's, it's a ways down the line. We're only in July, but um, just a, a little bit of a way too early prediction for Fred Hoiberg's team. Yeah, you know, I think part of the reason that you haven't seen a lot of um, fans sort of there hasn't been a lot of turmoil around the men's basketball program since Fred Hoiberg came in is because he obviously has had a sincere rebuilding. Like, and it's, I'm not even talking like, Hey, I'm trying to change the program. It was like, I literally don't have players. So I'm, I'm looking for anyone. Uh, and so that, that has presented challenges over, you know, a couple of years. And then you have the COVID year, which was definitely uh, presented even more challenge you didn't get your, you didn't get the same kind of uh, non-conference schedule. Uh, you didn't get things to kind of get yourself as prepared as you needed to be. It, it was tough. It's been a tough road. I think the reason you haven't seen that is because people look at this and say there's a ton of potential. They have the talent. It seems like things are falling into place how they should for Nebraska basketball. And I think that this non-conference schedule will tell us a lot. If they get through it, like with eight or ten wins, get a couple, get a couple of those unexpected wins. I think you had in the conference play feeling pretty dang good about the future of this team now if things go off off the rails very quickly then you're suddenly going oh maybe there should have been some turmoil but I think right now it's okay to feel a little optimistic about men's basketball because it feels it feels like there's potential here it really does and that's me not me just trying to like blow smoke at anyone I really do think 
there's a ton of potential with this team. All right, well, that's all the time we have with Aaron Sorensen on episode 49 today. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Aaron Sorensen and check out all of her stuff on Hale Varsity. And you can find her podcast, the Mind Your Own Podcast, on Spotify as well. So, Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for giving us some great stuff on our topics today. Uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. I always enjoy when you let me come on the podcast. So, thank you again. Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. All right, that was Aaron Sorensen on episode 49 of Husker Sports Weekly. We talked about name, image, and likeness. Uh, Memorial Stadium being 100% capacity this fall. And a quick look at Nebraska men's basketball non-conference schedule. We'll get into more of that as basketball season comes around uh, closer to November and December. But one more basketball point to make with Nebraska ball at least. Hoiberg landed a big grad transfer from Arizona State University, Alonzo Verge. He averaged 14.3 points, 3.9 rebounds, 2.9 assists, averaged 28.1 minutes a game in 51 games with the Sun Devils. A quick replacement for the departure of Delano Banton as he is staying in the draft. This is a big get for Fred Hoiberg. He's an explosive guard. You heard the numbers. He can score the basketball, which is what this team needs, and they need that shooting. So this will be a great compliment piece for Trey McGowan's, uh, Bryce McGowan's, and, and all those other guys on the roster. So, uh, Grant, your first reactions to this transfer. I'm very pleased with it. How are you feeling? Yes. Yeah, well, only one scholarship open because of Delano Banton, and it's now filled. Uh, so, I mean, that's, you know, honestly, I mean, I guess the one thing that I suppose could make me even happier is if you went out and got uh, Kofi Cokeburn. Uh but that's pretty pretty unlikely. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I think this is great. You know, obviously a lot of people mentioning the weird, like, 36-point game he had uh, for Arizona State against St. Mary's where, like, the other team, the rest of the team scored 13 points and he scored 36 off the bench. Um, so that's pretty interesting. I, you know, I, I hope, you know, in the next couple of weeks we'll have to talk about it, but getting on another basketball guest just for a summer breakdown uh, would be great because I, I think the thing that scares me the most um, with all these new guys and the new faces in there is figuring out where the pecking order is. And, and you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of different people from a lot of different schools uh, who all did basically similar things in terms of statistical performance uh, at their schools. And so, like, figuring out who's going where, especially with the players who are still here from last year who have quote-unquote seniority, that'll be really interesting to me to see how Coach Hoiberg manages that locker room. Um, not you know not to say something is definitely going to go wrong or something has gone wrong, uh, but avoiding you know the, even the potential of something going a little bit awry here at different points. Um, that th you know that's that's something that's really big, uh, and, and and I'm interested to see what happens. And obviously it's it's obviously great when something like this happens, but the locker room piece is something I'm interested to see how that turns out. Yeah, so a big transfer for Hoiberg and company, Alonzo Verge. Filling in that last uh, scholarship spot. Um, I don't think your Kofi Coburn dreams are going to come true, Grant, unfortunately. But um, we'll move on from there. We'll leave Nebraska ball there. We'll visit it at another time, possibly a summer breakdown, as Grant mentioned as well. Our final subject of the day, we'll take a quick look at the NBA Finals. Just a quick recap from Game 1, which was two days ago. The Suns took Game 1 over the Bucks, 118-105 to 105 in Phoenix. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton combined for 81 points. Giannis and Middleton with 49 points combined. Um, and we'll we'll pass it to you, Grant, for the rest of or for the start of this segment. Predictions for the rest of the series: Who's winning the NBA championship this year? And uh, based on that performance from the big three for the Suns, what kind of chance are the Bucks left with? Yeah, I think they bounce back tonight. I do. I do. I think you know the fact that Jonas is even here is just shocking to people. Let alone the fact that he was about like you know eighty percent roughly uh, of his usual performance. I mean, the fact that after what looked like potentially even a season-ending ending injury, uh, normally even in a full year, if he had had that like say in December uh, against the Hawks and that knee extension, you know, the fact that he was even able to make that chase down block. Uh, in game one is just mind-blowing to me um so the fact that he's even out there props of Giannis for that 
I think the Bucks do make it a series, and, and I, I think the Suns are going to come out on top in six or seven. But to me, the Bucks, despite their coaching shortfalls, uh, are too talented to just go quietly into the night here. Yeah, I agree. I think the Bucks will definitely make a good series out of it. I also have the Suns winning. Um, I'm going to put them Suns in six. I think the Suns will win again tonight, but I think Milwaukee will win two at home. Um, Phoenix's atmosphere has been fantastic this entire playoff run. And they've played very well at home. I mean, they've only lost four times the entire playoffs. So they've been playing extremely good basketball, and they're fully healthy now. Um, Giannis slowly but surely making his way back to 100%. And as you mentioned, Grant, at at times it looked like he was at 100% with that chase down block. I mean, he was bullying Aiton at some points in that game as well, or whoever is guarding him in the paint. You saw Saric out there for a little bit. And speaking of Dario Saric, he's out with a torn ACL for the rest of the year. So... Uh, a backup player for the Suns, but nonetheless an important role player for the Suns as well. So uh, that is definitely a storyline in this series. So we both have Suns in either six or seven games, but uh, don't expect the Bucks to go quietly into the night. Should be a very good rest of this NBA Finals, and that will do. Hey, it for and us. Connor, before we do go, oh, I gotta say, I gotta say, you know, when you said at the end that. You know that we could talk about nil for like hours. You know, <laughs> when we decided we were going to talk about name, image, and likeness again this week, I was, you know, I was like, gosh, I don't know how much more there is to say. Turns out there is a lot more to say. Like there are like five or six questions that even I was thinking of asking Aaron when we were having, you know, having her there and talking about all that different stuff that we've had. So I mean, I, it's just so crazy to me. We barely scratched the surface, and you know, Aaron did a good job of really laying out all that different. The stuff that we had, I mean, we covered a big set of stuff today in that name, image, and likeness section, and there's a lot of other stuff we could have touched on. Yeah, great conversation with Aaron today about name, image, and likeness, one that spanned over a half an hour, which which was longer than both of us were expecting, but it it was a great conversation. Uh, A lot of points were covered. She gave us some great stuff on this episode. Uh, So once again, thank you to her for uh, coming on this episode and um, I'm, I'm glad we were able to get our questions answered. Likely, this will not be the last time we talk about this subject on this show um, as we get closer and closer to the fall and see what new developments happen with the name, image, and likeness and athletes at Nebraska or around the country. So we'll keep a close eye on name, image, and likeness going forward. But that will do it for us on episode number 49 this week of Husker Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27. You can find Grant at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. Find our podcast on Twitter at Husker Weekly. And search for our podcasts on Spotify. Just search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar. Once again, you can find Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Sorensen. And listen to her podcast, the Mind Your Own Podcast, on the Hale Varsity Network of Podcasts on Spotify. So once again, thanks so much for tuning in to episode 49, episode 50, coming at you next week with more Husker content. Go Big Red.